فَلَا تُعْجِبُكَ Allah says, So it should not impress you. It should not amaze you. What? أَمْوَالُهُمْ Their wealth. وَلَا أَوْلَادُهُمْ Nor their children. You should not be impressed by their wealth and their children. Wow. They can have this much? So much money? And wow. These many children? And these days it's not the number of children, but the accomplishments of children that people are impressed by. So Allah says, don't be impressed by their wealth and their children. When is it that a person is impressed by the wealth of another? When it's a lot. Right? And when is it that a person is impressed by the children of another? When? Okay, so for example, when they're highly educated, when they get good grades. So for example, your mom tells you, look, look at them. See? Their daughter is your age. And you know what school she's going to? And look at you. Right? So, what does that mean? That a person is impressed by the children of another. Why? Because of their education, their accomplishments, the fact that they're married, the fact that they're already engaged. Right? And the fact that, you know, they're traveling here and there, whatever it may be. Allah says, don't be impressed by the wealth and children of who? Of who? Whom? Them. Who does them refer to? The munafiqeen. Because you see the hypocrites, what they would do is that they would keep away from sacrificing in the cause of their religion. And as a result, they had more money, their children were healthier. Because Abu Bakr anhu at the time of Tabuk, what did he do? He brought basically everything he had. Umar anhu brought half of what he had. So when Abu Bakr returned, what would he have? Next to nothing. When Umar would return, what would he have? Half. Right? But if there is a person who did not go, who did not spend a penny, his wealth is going to remain the same. And in fact, he went on a business trip and as a result, he's got even more money. So what happens when you see that other people are working on the weekends, an extra job, and they're making money in those five hours while you're studying the Qur'an, sometimes you feel, oh, too bad. I'm a little behind on this. Allah says, no. فَلَا تُعْجِبُكَ أَمْوَالُهُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُهُمْ Their wealth and their children should not impress you. Because no matter how much money they have made, other people, no matter how much money they have made, no matter how good their children may be, how long are they going to enjoy all of this? How long? For very little. Soon, this enjoyment is going to turn into misery. Because you see, these two things Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, wealth and children. Why? So that we do ahsan amal. Wealth, so that we do something with it, we send something for ourselves in the hereafter. And children, so that we leave good athar behind us, good traces behind us. So even though we're gone, we're still getting good. We're still getting ajr. Because we trained our children to do good. Right? But what happens is that these two, while they are a source of earning a lot of hasanat in the hereafter, they're also a great trial. إِنَّمَا أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَأَوْلَادُكُمْ fitna. They're a test. How are they a trial? That a person wants to enjoy them. A person wants to benefit from them. But what happens is that this enjoyment, this benefit is very, very temporary. Very temporary. Think about it. 
a person has their children, enjoys them for a long time, and then eventually those children have to move away. Right? Or eventually a person has to leave this world, or the children leave the world. Many things can happen, right? So the enjoyment that a person can get from his children, from his wealth, is for how many years? Maybe 20, maybe 30, maybe 40 years? Allah did not give us children to enjoy. Allah did not give us money to enjoy. He gave us these blessings so that we use them in His way, in worshipping Him, in attaining His pleasure. Yes, it's very nice when you're sitting with your child and you're talking to them and they're talking to you you know, back in cute words. Right? It's very pleasing. But what is more important? That we enjoy them, benefit from them, of course, teach them good things, but worry about their akhirah, worry about their future. Worry about what they're going to do when they grow up. If our focus is just the dunya, its pleasures, its enjoyment, then the tarbiyah that we give to our children will not be complete and wholesome. Then what is most important will be left out. I'm not saying that, oh, don't let your children enjoy it all and don't sit with your children and enjoy and just read Qur'an all the time. No, there has to be obviously a balance. But what's the main goal? What are the goals that you've set for your children? What's the goal that you've set for the money that you're making? What do you want to do with it? Fine, you want to buy a house, but why? Fine, you want to have a car, but why? Fine, you want to have a job, but why? What are you going to do with this money? If your focus is just enjoy and benefit from them, then they're going to cause you a lot of pain and misery. They're going to cause a lot of pain and misery. But if the focus is greater, that with this money... I want something in the akhirah. Through these children, I want more ajr in the akhirah. Greater rewards in the akhirah. So this is why, go yourself in the way of Allah and take your children along as well. On the same path. Right? So when this will happen, then the children will be a source of enjoyment and pleasure, not just in this life, but also where? In the hereafter. In Jannah, what is going to happen? Allah is going to join families together. Because you know, Jannah is of different darajat, right? And each person will be in a different daraja depending on his accomplishments. So let's say the mother is on one level and the son is on a different level and the father is on another level. They're separated in Jannah. What will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? He will join all of them together. Not in the lower level, but in the higher one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will join them. And imagine, then the happiness and the enjoyment will be never ending. It will never come to an end. But if we don't give now, we cannot expect later. We have to sacrifice something right now in order to get reward in the hereafter, in order to be with our loved ones in the hereafter. But there are people who don't do that. So what happens? When you look at them, they're all, oh, their children are always with them, how nice, how lucky they are. And they've got so much money also. Allah says, فَلَا تُعْجِبِكَ أَمْوَالُهُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُهُمْ إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ Indeed, Allah only wants لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ بِهَا To punish them through it. He only wants to punish these people through it. Through what? Through their wealth and their children. What does that mean? 
that in this life their wealth will be a source of misery for them. In this life their children will be a source of pain for them. And have we heard stories, many stories, of how a person, because of the money that he has, his life is difficult. How? That he's always worried about his money, about his business, and therefore the stress levels are really high. Right? And now he's got heart disease, and now he's got this issue and that issue. Children also. What happens? Everything's fine, they've got all the money, they've got all the luxury, but the son doesn't want to go to school. The daughter doesn't want to study. Doesn't want to study at all. Somebody was telling me that they know a person who told their daughter, you go to any school, you go to any university, I'll pay your entire fees, 100%. You won't ever have to take a loan, you won't ever have to pay anything back to me, but please just go to school. Just go to school. But the daughter, she said, okay. So she went to this ordinary school somewhere here. And she went there and dropped out after a year. And now she's just having fun with her boyfriend. And this is a non-Muslim family. And the father is just so miserable, so unhappy all the time because he's willing to pay hundreds and thousands of dollars just so that his daughter will go to school. But the daughter has no interest. No interest. Now what's happening? The money is a source of pain because I have it, but I can't do much with it. And the child is a source of pain also. Every single day. You know what? Many of you are not parents, but inshallah, one, when you will become mothers, you will know that what hurts you like nothing else is the pain you get from your children. From their disobedience or from their not doing well from their falling behind in any way, it hurts you a lot, like nothing else does. Your own failures don't hurt you as much as your children's failures do. What happens? You know, a woman has you know her first child, and then she's concerned, when is he going to start sitting up? He's already three months, he's already four months, and he's still not sitting up. And then they research and ask the doctor and ask so many people, it's normal, it's okay. Right? But why is my child not sitting up already? Why isn't my child talking already? Why isn't my child walking already? And then as they grow older, the worries, they only increase. They only increase. So what happens? Those whose goal is not the hereafter, who keep their wealth and their children with them all the time, don't want to sacrifice even a little bit, إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ بِهَا فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا In the life of this world. وَتَزْهَقَ أَنفُسُهُمْ تَزْهَقَ It departs. زَيْهَقَافْ زَهَق زَهَق is when someone passes away, meaning dies, but it's also used for when something leaves with difficulty and sadness. Difficulty and sadness, meaning to go away defeated. You know when you go somewhere to do something, Let's say you go to the mall to buy something you know, specific. And you've been waiting for that trip. And you go there, you go store to store to store, and you don't find it. How do you go home? Defeated. Right? You feel like that whole time that you spent in the mall was just a waste. Right? And you feel so defeated that you don't want to go. You don't want to leave the mall. You think that maybe you'll find it somewhere in some store. 
So you keep delaying, you keep delaying. This is the haq, to go away defeated, to go away unhappy, with sadness, with difficulty. So Allah wants that وَتَزْهَقَ أَنفُسُهُمْ Their souls depart from this world. وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ While they're still disbelievers. While they are disbelievers. Meaning, they will continue to remain in this state, keeping their money, keeping their children with them, not parting from them for the sake of Allah, even for a few moments. So what happens? They live this life, but they suffer because of their money, they suffer because of their children, and they die in this state of great ingratitude. وَيَحْلِفُونَ And they swear, بِاللَّهِ by Allah, إِنَّهُمْ That indeed they, لَمِنْكُمْ Surely from you. They keep coming back to you, and again and again they try to assure you that they are with you, they are sincere to you. And يَحْلِفُونَ يَحْلِفُونَ is from حَلْف. حَلْف is to swear an oath. So they keep saying, By Allah, we believe you are the Prophet of Allah. By Allah, you are upon the haqq. By Allah. Doesn't the Prophet already know that? Don't the Muslims already know that? Doesn't Allah already know that? Why do they have to swear again and again to show that they are with you? Innahum laminkum. And typically what happens? Typically what happens? Who is it that needs to swear an oath again and again? Who? Those who lie a lot so they're not believed. Right? So in order to make other people believe them, they come and they try to assure them once. They start talking a lot. You see, actions, they speak louder than words. Don't they? But when a person is lacking in his actions, he tries to make up, how? Through words. And so he starts talking a lot. And he keeps talking again and again and again. Like for example, if you had a conversation with someone and it didn't go well. It didn't go well. And because of the way you spoke or because of things that you said. And then later on, it's bothering you. Or you feel that this person is upset with you. So then what do you do? You go once and you say, I hope you didn't mind. Right? And I hope you don't feel offended. But this is the reason why I said this and this. And still you're not satisfied. So again you go. And you try to assure them through words that you're still good with them. But the thing is that those nasty words you said to them now cannot be washed away by any gift, by any gesture, because you've hurt them. Isn't it so? You've hurt them. So, يَحْلِفُونَ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّهُمْ لَمِنْكُمْ They try to assure you over and over again that they're with you. وَمَا هُمْ مِنْكُمْ But they're not actually with you. وَلَكِنَّهُمْ But indeed they قَوْمٌ They are a people يَفْرَقُونَ Who are afraid. They are a people who are afraid. And this is why they keep coming back to you trying to assure you that they're with you. يَفْرَقُونَ is from فَرَقَاف What does فَرَقْ mean? فَرَقَ To separate. وَإِذْ فَرَقْنَا بِكُمُ Bahra, when we separated the sea for you. And over here, it's giving the meaning of fear. Because when a person is afraid of something, when a person is afraid of someone, what does he do? Does he stay with the one whom he's afraid of? Hmm? What do you do then? You separate yourself instantly. Right? You move away. It's like a reflex action. Right? That you see someone coming, and instantly you start moving back. You see something coming and instantly you jump. There's a spider on the wall. You hear that there's a spider on the wall. 
and the wall is like 10 feet away from you, but you're like, really? There is a mouse in this masjid, if you find out. You don't even know where the mouse is, you didn't see it, you didn't hear it, but suddenly what's going to happen? You're going to start, you know what you're going to do. Right? Just because somebody screamed, mouse, what's going to happen to the rest of the people? Get up and run away. Stampede. Right? So this is what faraqa is. So وَلَكِنَّهُمْ قَوْمٌ يَفْرَقُونَ There are people who are afraid of you. This is why they keep avoiding you. They don't want to face you. Because they're afraid you're going to talk to them and then their true intentions are going to be exposed. So what do they do? They just try to come and assure you with their words. You know, we're with you, we love you, we support you, you're doing an awesome job, you're doing something really good. Pray for us. Many people do that. They will just go to others and say positive words you know, of support. Would you like to do something? Pray for us. Remember me in your prayers. But that's not sufficient. If you really believe in this cause, then go ahead and do it. Do it as well. Why are you keeping away from it? There are people who are afraid. They don't want to be exposed. This is why they just come and talk to you. How afraid are they? That if only they could find maljaan a refuge from Lam Jim Hamza Laj. What is Laj? Shelter. So Malja a place of shelter. So if they could only find a place where they could take shelter, like a fort or an island. Aw Magarat. Magarat plural of Magara from Rain Waura. Ghar is a cave. So Magarat caves. Alright? If they could find any places of shelter or caves where they could go in and hide, aw muddakhalan. Muddakhal from dal khalam. Dukhul to enter. So muddakhal, a place of entry. Meaning a place where they could just enter into and hide in there. If they could find anything like that, lawallaw ilayhi. Surely they would turn to it. Meaning they would go for it. Wahum yajmahoon. While they would run hastily, heedlessly. Yajmahoon is from jim mimha. And jamh is basically when a horse runs uncontrollably. Uncontrollably. So, in other words, they would run in uncontrollable haste without consideration. Have you ever seen children? You know, they see something that they like and they just run for it. They don't see that there is water on the floor or that there is a table, you know, with a pointy edge and they could hit themselves against it or you're standing in the way. They just completely ignore everything and everyone around them and just run. What does that show? Greed. They just want it so badly. And it also shows that they're trying to run away from something. They're afraid. So, لَوْ يَجِدُونَ مَلْجَأً أَوْ مَغَارَاتٍ أَوْ مُدَّخَلًا لَوَلَّوْا إِلَيْهِ وَهُمْ يَجْمَحُونَ So what is it that we learn about nifaq from these verses? That the person who has hypocrisy in his heart, he knows that he's doing something wrong. Right? Like for example, he knows he has backbitten someone, he knows that he feels jealousy for someone, he knows that he feels hatred towards someone. But on the outward, pretense. And what is that pretense? Yeah, yeah, you look so good. You're right. You look amazing. Thank you so much. Jazakallah khairan. Right? All these words on the surface to please people. But at the same time, avoids them. He avoids them. 
I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to be around them. Why? Because he's afraid that will be exposed. The reality will be exposed. So how much does he try to avoid people? So much that if only he could find a washroom where he could lock himself in. Right? Or a room where he could go and hide. Who needs to go and hide? The one who knows he's doing something wrong. The one who's guilty. Because if you know you're not doing something wrong, then you have the confidence to face reality. Then you say, yes, I made a mistake and I'm sorry about that. Hopefully I will not do this again. You admit it. You admit your weakness and you move on from it. Right? But the person who doesn't want to admit it, and the person who's guilty inside, his heart is reproaching him, then he hides from others. He doesn't want to face them. Let's listen to the recitation and then we'll continue. فَلَا تُعْجِبَكَ أَمْوَالُهُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُهُمْ إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ بِهَا فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَتَزْهَقَ أَنفُسُهُمْ وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ وَيَحْلِفُونَ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّهُمْ لَمِنْكُمْ وَمَا هُمْ مِنْكُمْ وَلَكِنَّهُمْ قَوْمٌ يَفْرَقُونَ لَوْ يَجِدُونَ مَلْجَأً أَوْ مَغَارَاتٍ أَوْ مُدَّخَلًا لَوَلَّوْا إِلَيْهِ وَهُمْ يَجْمَحُونَ So what is it that makes a person cowardly? That he doesn't want to meet others, doesn't want to talk to them, avoiding phone calls. What is it that makes a person cowardly? doesn't want to take that phone call, doesn't want to talk to them. Why? Avoiding others. What's the reason? Yes. Guilt. Yes. When he knows that he's wrong. When your heart is telling you have done something wrong. Insincerity makes a person cowardly. It takes the confidence of a person away from him. When he's insincere, then he doesn't have the confidence to be with others, talk to them, interact with them. But when he's sincere in his heart, then even if there's a mistake, he can come and face it. So the sincerity is very, very important. وَمِنْهُمْ and from them, مَنْ هُوْ يَلْمِزُكَ He criticizes you. فِي in the matter of الصَّدَقَاتِ The charities. Meaning among such people are those who will criticize the Prophet ﷺ with respect to the distribution of sadaqat. Yalmizuka is from the root letters lam, meem, zay, lams. And lams is to speak ill of someone. Right? To slander them. But it is basically to speak ill of someone in front of them. Why? To uncover a real or imaginary fault in them. Why? In order to uncover a real or imaginary fault in them. So for example, in front of everybody, if someone says to another, you're so selfish. Now what's happening by the statement, you're so selfish. What's going to happen? Their fault is going to be uncovered. 
Now, is it a real fault or is it imaginary? Could be either way. Because sometimes what happens is that people try to attack others in public like this in order to put pressure on them. So that they can get whatever they want out of them. So for instance, what happened once that the Prophet ﷺ, he distributed some wealth amongst the people. And this one man, he got up and he said, O Prophet, fear Allah. He got up and he said, O Muhammad or O Prophet ﷺ, fear Allah. What was the point of saying that? That you're not being fair. So have fear of God so that you can distribute this with justice between the people. Now was this true? Was the Prophet ﷺ not being fair? It's not possible. Who would have more fear of Allah than Muhammad ﷺ? Who? Who would be more fair than him? The one to whom Allah entrusted revelation to. If he was not fair, if he was not honest, then who would be fair and honest? He was the fairest of people, the most honest of them, the most fearful of them when it comes to fear of Allah. But this man, he said this to the Prophet ﷺ. Why? So that the Prophet ﷺ would feel bad and he would give him more. You understand? So many times it happens that people try to humiliate others in public to make them feel bad, to put that social pressure on them. And as a result, they change their mind or they give something. So, وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَلْمِزُكَ فِي الصَّدَقَاتِ Allah describes them. فَإِنْ أُعْطُوا Then if they are given, مِنْهَا from it, meaning from the sadaqat, رَضُوا They're very happy. If they are given from it, they will never speak a word against you. وَإِن لَمْ يُعْطَوْ مِنْهَا And if they are not given anything from it, إِذَا then هُمْ they يَسْخَطُونَ They become angry and upset. يَسْخَطُونَ سِينَ خَطَى سَخْطُ To be upset, to be angry. So basically the problem is that they don't care about others. They don't care about what others are getting, what they're not getting. They're concerned about who? Themselves. They're happy only if they are given something. And if they're not given importance, then they get very, very upset. So here we need to check ourselves. Are we happy and cooperative when we are given importance? And if there are times when we are not given importance, then how cooperative are we? Are we happy only when somebody gives us a gift or somebody praises us? Only then we will do something? And if people don't give us the importance that we think we deserve, then we will not do anything. And instead we will, you know, attack them. وَإِن لَمْ يُعْطَوْ مِنْهَا إِذَا هُمْ يَسْخَطُونَ What is the problem? The problem is much deeper. It's got to do with the intentions. If the intention is sincere, if a person is doing something for the sake of Allah, then who does he expect result reward from? Allah. Then his goal is what? Jannah. Nothing less than Jannah. Right? Then it doesn't matter if people are supportive, if people are respectful, if people are giving importance. It doesn't make a difference. A person will keep doing his work. Because he wants reward from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if the intention is corrupt, that he's doing something, but he also expects that people should respect him, that people should give him importance, then what happens as soon as that importance or that respect does not meet your expectations? 
then what happens to the work? Decline? A sudden decline? إِذَا هُمْ يَسْخَطُونَ Then they become very upset and they become angry. Umar bin Taghlib said that some property was given to the Prophet ﷺ and he gave it to some people and he withheld it from some others. Meaning he gave it to some and he didn't give it to some others. And then he came to know that the people were unhappy, they were dissatisfied. Who was dissatisfied? Those who were not given. So the Prophet ﷺ said, I give to one man and do not give another. And the one to whom I do not give, the one to whom I do not give is dearer to me than the one to whom I give. I give to some people because of the impatience and discontent present in their hearts. And leave others because of the content and goodness Allah has bestowed on them. And one of them is Amr bin Taghlib. If you think about it, when somebody is on really good terms with you, really good terms with you, then let's say you and them together, you are you know, serving some people or you are giving something to others, then what happens? If the food is less, then you don't give it to your friend and you say, you know what, we'll give it to the guests. Will she mind? Never. She'll never mind. Because is the food important to her or is the friendship important to her? The friendship is important. And because of that friendship, she will even sacrifice. Isn't it so? She will even sacrifice. But if that sacrifice is not there and she says, you know, I went to my friend's house, she's supposed to be my best friend, and the food was not enough and she served everybody and then she's like, there's not enough, so please, we'll do something later. Can you imagine? She humiliated me like this? This is what she had to offer me? No food after all that work? What does that show? That this friend is not a friend. Friend, a true friend, sacrifices. Right? A true friend doesn't expect much in return. Because they're with you. They're with you in everything that you do. Mothers, what do they do typically? They have food in their plate. And the daughter says, I want that piece of meat. And what will the mother do? Sure. She'll give it immediately. She won't say, no, it's mine. Go get your own. She'll never say that. Right? So, who is it that is sincere to Allah? The one who is happy with whatever Allah and His Messenger give them. This is a characteristic of who? Those who are insincere. Allah says, and if indeed they radu, they were happy. Ma with that which Allah gave them. Warasulu and his messenger. If they were happy with that which Allah and His Messenger gave them, even if it was very little. Waqalu and they had said, Allah, Allah is sufficient for us. Sayyutina, soon He will give us who? Allahu Allah min fadlihi from His bounty. Warasuluhu and His Messenger. Allah and His Messenger will give us more. Something in the future. Inna ilallahi ragibun. Indeed, we ilallah to Allah ragibun. Ones who turn, meaning we are hopeful of who Allah subhanahu wa taala that He will give us. Raghba is basically inclination. So we incline to Allah. We are hopeful from Him. So 
even if it was very little that they got, had they been happy with it and hopeful and grateful, then that would have been much, much better for them. It would have been much better for them. Much better for them than what? Than complaining at this time. Than being ungrateful at this time. Than criticizing the Prophet ﷺ at this time. What happens is that when you do anything to help others, to work for the religion of Allah, there's always some sacrifice that you have to make. And sometimes you have to spend your money also. And because of that reason, we start expecting something in return. That I am doing this, so I should be given this much at least. And then you find out, somebody says, that oh, you're getting paid only this much money. Only this much. You should be asking for more. Look, I work only these many hours and I make much more than you. You're wasting your time. Hmm? So what happens is that our expectations, they increase. And we start expecting that we should get more from the work that we are doing. Either it is more grades, more numbers, right? Or more praise, or more money, or more promotions, whatever it may be. We start expecting more because we think that we're doing a favor in the first place when we're coming for the sake of Allah, when we're coming for the religion of Allah. We think we're doing a favor. And because of that, we start expecting a lot. Our work is only this much. And our expectations are this much. Literally. When we go to school, do we ever expect that we will show up late, we will leave early, we will not do the tests on time, and then at the end of the year, the professor should give us a perfect grade? Do we ever expect that? Never. But why is it that when we go to study the deen, we say, oh, the test was too difficult? And you know what? Marks don't really mean much anyway. Our standards change completely. Right? We give a little in the way of Allah and we expect a lot in return. A lot in return. What do we learn over here? That whatever little benefit a person receives from Allah, from His Messenger, from the deen, he should be happy with it. Even if it is very, very little. Because receiving something from Allah from his messenger, from the deen, that in itself is an honor. That in itself is an honor. And whatever it is, even if it's very little, it will have a a lot of blessing in it. The little will be enough. That less will become more. It will be sufficient. But if a person is greedy, then more will be less. It will never be enough for him. If a person wants this world, then he can never ever be satisfied no matter how much he accumulates. So what should we do when we feel that we deserve more, but we're not really getting all of that? What should we say? What should our reaction be? Hasbun Allah. Allah is enough for us. Allah is sufficient for us. Hasbun Allah. And generally also, at the time of any financial constraint, Instead of complaining, instead of becoming angry with Allah, or instead of becoming angry with people, what should our reaction be? Allah is sufficient for us. Because what happens is that whatever rizq is written for us, whatever rizq is written, it's definitely going to come to us through one way or another. Through one way or another, it's definitely going to come. So if you're right, somebody is not giving it to you. Let's say there's a woman, her husband doesn't give her 
a dollar to spend. Not even a dollar. And this is the case of many women unfortunately. They expect that their husbands should give them at least some money to spend freely from. But what happens? The husband doesn't give even a spare dollar. So at that time, you know, there's a lot of anger being built up in the heart. Against who? Against the husband, against the mother-in-law, against his sisters, against the whole family, against the children, against the whole world, against the government, against anybody. Anybody. Right? What is necessary at this time? A person says, Hasbunallah. Allah is my provider, my husband is not. He is my provider. He is the one who has fed me till today and He will feed me in the future. If this man withholds money from me, so what? Allahumma la mani'a lima a'atayta wa la mu'atiya lima mana'ata. And be hopeful. Inna ilallahi raghibun. We turn to Allah, we hope from Him, we expect from Him that He will give us. Always look back. Alhamdulillah, Allah gave you food. He fulfilled your needs in the past. So why wouldn't He fulfill your needs in the future? And you know these trials, these situations are basically a test for us. That do we expect from people or do we expect from Allah? Do we think that our spouses, our parents, our relatives, they are our providers? Or Allah is our provider. Who is our provider? It's these situations that will show, right? Our reactions will show. What we say at that time, what we feel at that time. So over here Allah says that if they had said at that time that Allah is enough for us, if they were first of all happy with whatever came their way, and secondly they said, Allah, سَيُؤْتِينَ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَرَسُولُهُ إِنَّا إِلَى اللَّهِ رَاغِبُونَ That would have been much, much better for them. How would it be better for them? How would it be better? Because first of all, when a person is hopeful of Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also doesn't disappoint him. He doesn't disappoint him. What does Allah say? That I am as my servant thinks I am. Meaning if a person has positive hope, then Allah will not disappoint him. And if a person thinks negatively about Allah, he gets angry with Allah, then he will also get anger. Whoever is happy for him is pleasure. And whoever is angry for him is anger. It's all about how we react. In a hadith we learn that on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have some people come out of hellfire. And then Allah will say, take them back to hellfire. One of those men will look back and say, Oh Allah, I thought that if you're taking me out of hellfire, you won't send me back into it. I was hopeful that you're taking me out of hellfire and you won't send me back into it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, so we will not send you back in hellfire. Allah will send him to Jannah. Why? Because of his hope. Because of his positive thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That if Allah has brought me here, I'm hoping that Allah will make my condition better. إِنَّا إِلَى اللَّهِ رَاغِبُونَ But we just keep looking at the money and our sufferings and we don't look at the treasures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. I mean, look at the snow. Doesn't that tell us about endless treasures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has? I mean, it doesn't stop. 
just keeps coming and coming and coming. This morning when we opened the shutters, we're like, what? Now? This just shows to us that there's no limit to Allah's khaza'in. He can give, He can send snow even when spring has officially started. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can create the unthinkable. What you cannot even imagine, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give you. But when? When you turn to Him and when you expect from Him. When you hope from Him and not others. And it all starts with thinking positively about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's listen to the recitation. وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَلْمِذُكَ فِي الصَّدَقَاتِ فَإِنْ أُعْطُوا مِنْهَا رَضُوا وَإِنْ لَمْ يُعْطَوْا مِنْهَا إِذَا هُمْ يَسْخَطُونَ وَلَوْ أَنَّهُمْ رَضُوا مَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَقَالُوا وَقَالُوا حَسْبُنَا اللَّهُ سَيُؤْتِينَ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَرَسُولُهُ إِنَّا إِلَى اللَّهِ رَاغِبُونَ